Yeah, and you know it don't stop. Grind around that clock. Mastermind of my second album, my first album just dropped. Scored a touchdown on my first down, nigga. So I was gon' flop. See, I hustle like my mama, but I look just like my pops. <laughs> and we still duckin' cops. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen. And hey man, as much as I don't like it, <laughs> I you mean I gotta start, I gotta give Tom Brady his credit, man. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Green Bay Packers 31 to 26 in the NFC Championship on Sunday. And Tom Brady will be in his 10th. Yeah, you, you heard it correctly. His 10th Super Bowl in his career. I mean, you know, at some point, bro, we gotta, I got, I gotta start. I got, we gotta give Tom Brady his credit, man. You know, as much as you may not like him, as much as he may annoy you due to the fact that he wins all the time, Tom Brady is 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 a great player, bro. Like, and and of course we all know he's a great player. He's the goat, but. And and I know what I'm hearing. I'm hearing this. I've heard this yesterday. I heard it on Sunday after the game. No. This is not Tom Brady's best season. This is not his best performance. But Tom Brady is having a hell of a season. Now, of course, it took a minute, seeing as though he he he's, he went to a new team in Tampa, new coaching staff, new new environment, new new teammates. It was going to take a minute to gel. And, you know, there was bumps in the road. I mean, they got waxed by the Saints twice. Of course, they lost to the, the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season. But like I said, they they got it all together. They're playing the best. They're playing their best at the best time. So let's talk about the game. This game, and and I kind of feel how I felt about the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. This game had a lot to do with what the Packers didn't do right more than what Tampa Bay did right. Now, again, congratulations to Tampa Bay for making it to the Super Bowl. Again, this is Tom Brady's 10th. You know, they they, it, they were incredible. Uh, Scotty, little Scotty Miller had a, had a huge touchdown. Uh, you know, Gronk had a big reception at the end of the game. And it was just Chris Godwin had a couple of couple of big catches. It was it was a good team win, but it's hard for me to see this win and not and look at some situations that kind of buried the Packers. Now, going into this game, I thought that the Packers had the better quarterback uh, right now. I thought the Packers was a better team. You know, they were 13 and three. I, I thought that they were destined to at least make the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? They 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 looked incredible against the Rams, and they looked incredible all season. Like I said, Tom, uh, Aaron Rodgers more than likely will be the MVP. I just I, it was hard for me to fathom. Not to mention, I saw how Tampa Bay played against the Saints the week before. Now, while they did beat the Saints, it did take four turnovers by the Saints, three interceptions by Drew Brees to to help seal the deal and I just didn't see that from Aaron Rodgers I didn't I didn't see him turning the ball over I mean Aaron Rodgers one of the least uh turnover prone quarterbacks in the league I just didn't see it but there was a couple plays to me that defined this game let's talk about the first play now you get a stop Right before the half, I think the 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 Packers, I mean the the Bucks, going into half, they have the ball. I think they have the ball for like thirty five seconds, and all you have to do is play prevent defense. You're already you're down fourteen to ten. You go into the half, you get the ball coming out of half. You're good. It is, and and don't get me wrong, bro. I I understand that the Green Bay Packers is a great team. But King, the cornerback King, he was getting torched all day. And it didn't matter who he he had a bad day. It didn't matter who it was. It was Scotty. They put Scotty Miller on him. They put Chris Godwin on him. They put Mike Evans on him. Whoever King was guarding ate pretty much. But go back to the play. 35 seconds left. 
Tampa Bay is going down the field, but it's okay. Time's dwindling. They don't have too many timeouts. And the last thing you want, you don't care about a, a, a field goal puts you up seven to or 17 to 10. You go into halftime, come back, score on your first drive. The score is tied. You're good. The last thing you want is a touchdown. And it's hard to get a touchdown, seeing as though everyone in the everyone in Lambeau knows the last thing you need is a touchdown. So you would think, what do you do? You play prevent. For some reason, that's not what the Packers did. The Packers played man, and King was already struggling before then. Now you we play man and one second left, Tom Brady chucks the ball up. All you have to do is play prevent. They didn't do that. They played man. Now you play man. All you have to do, King. Let me, in fact, let me find this man's name. Let me, because I don't want to disrespect, because it could be another King. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, Kevin King. Kevin King. This is what you do, bro. Kevin King. All you do is turn you do not let scotty miller out like you do not let him you're fast too i understand stand scotty miller's fast but you're fast as well all you have to do is stay in front of him okay boom you lose scotty miller with one second left tom brady launches the ball seemingly he threw that joint to space jam came back down scotty miller caught it for a touchdown so instead of being up 14 10 instead of being up 17 10 you're up they're up 28 to 10 that is hard for any team to come especially when you had the momentum going and your defense was playing well you got to stop while you're down 14 10 it wasn't like the tampa bay buccaneers were rolling tom brady hasn't hadn't thrown an interception yet you were good, man. You, you go into the half only down four or only down seven. You're good. But no. Kevin King gets loses sight of Scotty Miller. For, no, first, the, the Matt LaFleur and the, and the defense did not play prevent defense. You play, man. Scotty, uh, Kevin King gets beat by Scotty Miller. Scores. That's the first play. That just, ah. Second play, the you're you're down, you're down, you score. The the Packers score. Two point conversion. Instead of being down five, you're down three. Two point conversion. Tom, I mean Aaron Rodgers throws a beautiful pass to Saint 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 Patrick, Saint something. It hits him smooth in the chest. He drops the ball. Not to mention, I'm not even going to talk about all the drops. You know, Devontae Adams had a couple drops. Uh, Robert, Robert, uh, the the tight end had a couple drops. Valdez Scanling had a couple drops. He did ha- he did catch a touchdown, but he had a couple drops. But instead of being down three, I mean, you'd be instead of being down five, you'd be down three. Two-point conversion. Aaron Rodgers throws it. Boom. Right off the chest. Uh, you know, interception. I mean, no, uh, incomplete pass. You're down five. Another play. Now, this is a little bit to- uh, Aaron Rodgers' fault, but also a little bit of Lazard's fault. Lazard has a, a slant route. Slant route instead of like you heard and you even heard Troy Aikman say if Lazard would have kept straight on the slant, it would have been an it would have been a complete pass, but he didn't. And and I think Aaron Rodgers expected him to stay straight. But no, Lazard fades like he's going to to the end zone, gets it picked. What I'm saying is this there were a couple plays that to me helped help the there was a couple plays by green bay that to me helped tampa bay sell this deal now the biggest play and the play that is causing most controversy today and yesterday 
was the was the the field goal play for people that didn't watch you're down eight points two minutes left you have Aaron Rodgers the ball is on the eight yard line that means you only need eight (laughs) yards to score you don't get it the first down you don't get the second down third down I look. I, I, I. You have to get, put some blame on Aaron Rodgers with that one. He had, he had a lot of room to run. I don't know if he would have caught, got the touchdown, but it would have been a little. It would have been a lot closer than eight yards. Fourth down. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be the MVP of this of the year. Instead of going for it, you're already down eight. You need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. You say, you know what? Two minutes left, two minutes and one second left. We're gonna pull Aaron Rodgers, kick a field goal. You are I know you have three touchdowns. I mean three timeouts. I know you have the two-minute warning that's coming in one second. I know that Aaron Rodgers played incredible the entire entire game. But, no, let me pull him, kick the field goal. So, let's hope that the team, that the, let's hope that the defense per, gets, or let's hope the defense forces Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, who has been playing well the entire game, let's hope they get a, a a two a three and out instead they get a couple first downs you get a very costly pass interference which it was kind of ticky tack pass interference but you got a pass interference on kevin king by the way you lose the game aaron Rodgers is the first quarterback in nfl history to lose four straight nfc title games and out of those four that he's lost, three of them were lost when he didn't even he was not even on the field at the end. This is what I'm saying. And 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 people wonder why, you know, after the game, Aaron Rodgers was clear. I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was clearly upset, clearly, you know, devastated. And he was like, you know, it wasn't his his call to to go for the field goal instead of go for the go forward and fourth down he thought they were going to have four downs oh wait <laughs> he thought they were going to have four downs it, it it wasn't his call and of course there's a lot of people in the organization including himself where the future is very very cloudy at this point you know he takes some time away we get it now it would be different if Last offseason did not happen. And for people that don't remember, last off in fact, last year, this and I and I and I said this the beginning of the season in my like bold predictions. I you know, last year the Green Bay Packers this year mirrored last year. Except the difference is this year Green Bay Packers looked a hell of a lot better than last year. But at this point, the Green Bay Packers last year was 13 and 3. This year they're 13 and 3. They lose in the NFC Championship. They lose in the NFC Championship. Last year, however, they were just out man. I mean, it was nobody outside of the Kansas City Chiefs was going to beat that San Francisco team and that defense with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner. And of course, you had Jimmy Garoppolo playing incredible. Like, no one was going to beat them in the NFC. But this year, that was the Packers. I mean, the Packers were the team that we didn't think anyone was going to beat when they're playing at their best. Now, while their defense did not have the best game, they, you know, Aaron Rodgers was playing incredible on Sunday. And again, you lose four straight NFC championships, and three of them, you were not even on the field the last few play like the last plays to decide the game we all remember the game against arizona when he threw the hell the incredible hair hell mary to tie the game with him to overtime and he didn't even have a chance to get the ball they lost like we we of course we remember what happened last year and this year and like i said it would be different if last offseason didn't happen now i understand Everyone after that game was saying this team will be good. All they need to do is get more wide receiver help and get more defensive help, uh, preferably a corner or two. 
But what they did, what what do they do? They waste a draft pick, two draft picks actually. Yes, AJ Dillon did come to form at the end of the season and had a pretty good, uh, you know, he he was he was pretty good towards the end of the season. However, you already had Aaron Jones and Williams. You don't need another wide receiver, and then. The egregious one, you go get a quarterback in the first round. You get Jordan Love in the first round. Now, I would understand if Aaron Rodgers had a season like like Drew Brees had. You know what I mean? Drew Brees was injured, but even when he wasn't injured or before the injury, while he was playing good, you can tell he couldn't throw the ball. I understand you're playing playing for the future. But last year, Aaron Rodgers could have won the MVP. This year, he will. Like, you waste a draft pick on a player who a lot of people, they didn't even expect to play for a good three, four years. So this draft pick doesn't help anybody for three to four years. And you're looking at Aaron Rodgers, who's getting older. I think he was 38, I believe. And think, you know, hey, my years are are dwindling at this point. Like, we need to get it together. And you you pretty much, it's a slap in the face. It's not even just a slap in the face to him. It's a slap in the face to the players that are towards the end of their career that's on the team. It's like, you know, and, and like, you know, we're a piece away. Let's win. And you don't even, you don't even get immediate help. It, it's, it, it really says, you know, we're planning for the future. We don't care about right now. And then for what happened last offseason to now you look and you're one you're 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 eight yards away you have the league mvp and you go for a field goal i would understand if you if if the if your quarterback did not you did not have supreme trust in your quarterback or i would understand if you were i don't know if if your defense was incredible if your defense was playing like the the Buccaneers defense then the Buccaneers defense was incredible. I think that they sacked uh I think they had five or three to five no, I think they had four sacks on Aaron Rodgers. I know they had a couple couple uh rushes. Like it was they they played an incredible game. Not to mention they took Devontae Adams out of most of the game. Yes, he had a touchdown, yes, he had a couple plays, but he really wasn't a factor that much the entire game. They said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with Valdez Scanlon. You're going to beat us with Lazard. And, and like I said, it, 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 <laughs> oh, it, was just, it was just tough to watch, man. And it's tough to watch because I don't know how many of these seasons we're getting from Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest we've ever seen, but... You know, I I don't know not to, I don't know how many seasons we'll get like this. Not to mention free agency is about to hit the Packers hard. Most of their defense is free agents, and if not, they're really going to be affected by the cap. It's just it it was a bad call for Matt Lafleur, and I'm not I'm not I'm I understand I would be upset too. I understand you know. If I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, you call a play like that, you're pretty much messing up my legacy. I get the frustration I get. I would be upset as well. However, and I know he said, you know, my future here is in balance. I would take a step back, which which he said he's going to take a couple weeks off, and then come. I'd look at the season and say, hey, this was we're two years in a row, thirteen and three. We're still one of the best in the in the in the NFC. I, w- I don't know if I'd leave the Packers this year, but I will say this. I would go to management or whoever and say, look, you need to give me some offensive weapon. You know, you need to give me some wide receiver help. And, and it's unfortunate because this – and no, actually, it's very fortunate because this is a good wide receiver class, especially at the top. You make some trades. You, you, you try to bump up. Do what you got to do to get me some wide receiver help. And we talk. You give me Jalen Waddle, we're good. Like, you – you if I don't know how, but if you find a way to give me Devontae Smith, we're good. Like, you get me some help. Give me some wide receivers because as good as Devontae Adams is – he can't be the only all you got to do is double team or triple team him and and Valdez Scantling is hit or miss Lazard is hit or miss like you need to get Aaron Rodgers some help 
then I, I'd come back. You know what I'm saying? But if they have, if they show a propensity not to be able to do that, then I, I have no problem in Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what, this team, I've given my all to this team, and they have not put me in the best position to win. So I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. He has earned the right to do that. So it was just a tough loss. Now, now, now on on Tampa Bay side, man. It was. It's just a. Uh, Tom Brady is have you know Tom Brady just shows why he's the goat now. Yeah, he did have three interceptions, I believe, and I think if unlike what Tampa Bay did to the Saints, the Packers weren't able to capitalize on the turnovers. It 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 just you know they had Tom Brady is Tom Brady again. He's going to ten Super Bowls. He's been to the, he's been to the same amount of Super Bowls. That LeBron James has been in the NBA Finals. And I think that is a stat in and of itself. Like that's in in the ultimate team sport and anything can derail a season. Anything on the offense, anything on the defense can derail a whole team. The fact that you've been to 10 Super Bowls is is crazy to me. Not to mention you had a couple years where you had where you didn't even make it. I think there was like six years or something. You didn't make it. So I just I it's it's incredible what they're what what Tampa Bay and and it's incredible that we're it's incre- it's it's fitting and, and and it's if there was any team or no let me say this if there was any quarterback that would be the first quarterback in NBA I mean NFL history to host a <laughs> to host a, host a Super Bowl it would be Tom Brady so congratulations to the Tampa Bay Bucks for making it to their third Super Bowl and Tom Brady's 10th. Moving forward, the other game that happened was the, was the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Bills 38-24. to Now, there's not really much to say about this game. Aaron Mahomes, you know, this the Kansas City Chiefs, this is the first team in NFL history that I can remember. Now, I've been watching NFL for a minute, uh, and you know, I've asked a couple people that's a little older than me. This is the first team in NFL history that you cannot compare this team to any other NFL team in NFL history. This is the first team where the only comparable team is an NBA team. You, we have never seen that, you know. And and a lot of people want to talk about Mahomes, and, and rightfully so. Mahomes is the best quarterback. In the league right now, he's arguably one of the best we've ever seen, talent-wise. And it's hard for me to look at Patrick Mahomes. In fact, I don't see a flaw in Patrick Mahomes. That Especially when he's rolling, I don't see it. But what a lot of people don't talk about and needs to get credit is just the amount of weapons that he has. You have Tyreek Hill, who is the fastest player in the league, has one of the best hands in the league, is an incredible route runner for his size and his speed. And and his ability, you know, we always talk about if you're if you're like really fast, it's kind of hard to stop and break in a in a route, but 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 Tyreek Hill does it better than I've seen most people do. And then we have Travis Kelce, who is arguably the best receiving tight end the league has ever seen. It's just, it's hard, bro. Not to mention, you have Clyde Edwards was a layer when Le'Veon Bell was out. You, McCole Harmon, who had a had a blunder. You know, uh, the only time that the 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 team the but well, McCole Harmon muffs a punt. And of course the the but the Bills get it pretty much at like the two yard line they score. But out after that, he was incredible. Yeah, Sammy Watkins who didn't even play, but he's good. Like this team, it you cannot compare this but this uh Chiefs team to any team in NFL history. The only good comparison to this team is the Golden State Warriors that had Steph Curry, that had Kevin Durant, that had Klay Thompson, that had Draymond Green. That team is the only team because because this team, this is the ultimate flip the switch team. It was I mean what they were down nine zero and I'm like, ah man, they they're not looking good. You know, they had they they're not looking good at all. And then boom, you look up touchdown 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 it's like they their runs are so incredible we remember back 
hell, last last playoff run, they were down in every game. And we can't forget they were down like 20 to 0 or something against Deshaun Watson and the and the Houston Texans when they scored what? 50 unanswered points. This team goes on runs like NBA teams go on runs. This team, I know we all remember the Golden State team that, you know, you'd look up and okay, well it's, it's a it's a 5-point game. You you look up again and they're up 30 points and it's like, wait a second, all I did was go get some popcorn. What's going on? Like they go on NBA style runs. And for a football team to do that, it's incredible. Not to mention you have Chris Jones on this on the defense. It's just this team is loaded. And Honey Badger, this team is loaded. Now, there was nothing. And and shouts out to the Bills. They had an incredible season. I think Josh Allen probably finished second or third in MVP voting, in my opinion, for this for the regular season. You know, Stephon Diggs was a top five wide receiver this year. Cole Beasley was one of the best slant, uh, you know, slant slot receivers we, you know, in the in the game this year. But of course, towards the end, he dealt with a lot of injury. But the Bills had an incredible season, man. It was just there was nothing. I don't think there's any team on the planet that could have beat the Chiefs on Sunday. Like they were rolling after the first blunder from Nicole Harmon, they were rolling. And the worst part about it is before that. Like when I said it wasn't looking good, you had uh, Tyreek Hill drop passes. Uh, Travis Kelsey dropped a couple passes. That didn't matter. It was just boom, 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 boom. And then of course you got the the leader of the orchestra, which is Patrick Mahomes, i.e. the 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 Steph Curry. It's just this go this this Chiefs team we're looking at we've never seen before, and it's I. Because a lot of these contracts are set up to last on this team, I don't see I don't see this changing for a few years at least. And because even though he is the highest paid athlete in, in sports history, Patrick Mahomes' contract doesn't really hurt uh the Chiefs when it comes to getting free agents, which is and, and this is like that is a deal we've unlike we've ever seen. So you know, Allen didn't. Josh Allen didn't look the best. Of course, you know, once you double Stephon Diggs, it was kind of hard to. Um, it was kind of hard to get any wide receivers open. Their run game has been non-existent the entire year. It it it, it wasn't a good game for the Bills. Don't get me wrong. Like it, I know they had twenty four points, but it wasn't a good game for them at all. It was, but even at their best, I and I've seen the Bills at their best. Nobody was beating that Kansas City Chiefs team on Sunday. Now I'm not going to go over my Super Bowl picks. We're going to wait until a little close. I know the Super Bowl is February seventh. We're going to wait until the week before to do like a Super Bowl special and stuff like that. But again, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for being the first team to host the Super Bowl. And congratulations for the Kansas City Chiefs for going to back-to-back Super Bowls. And it's it, this is going to be a really good Super Bowl, man. You have Tom Brady, you know, the, the GOAT against arguably the next GOAT and, and Patrick Mahomes. But we'll talk about it. Let's move forward. You know, it's we have to get to a point. As, as sports fans, as fans of teams, as fans of players, we have to get to a point where rings can't always su- define success. Now, I'm one of those people, don't get me wrong, I'm one of those people that think, like, what, you play to win the game. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Herm Edwards to the death. You play to win the game, man. Like, I don't step, I wouldn't step on the floor or I wouldn't step on the field if my ultimate goal wasn't to A, win this game and B, win a Super Bowl or win win an NBA championship. Like, that is my goal. That would be my goal as a player. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And, but that that shouldn't define a player's success. That shouldn't define a player's career. I mean, hell, there's... I don't know if Damian Lillard will ever win a championship, but Damian Lillard is an incredible, incredible player. I don't know if who. <laughs> I don't know if 
James Harden will ever win a championship, but he's an incredible player. I don't know if Russell Westbrook will win a championship, but he's an incredible player. Why am I talking about this? Phillip Rivers last week announced his retirement from the NFL, and the biggest question was, is he a Hall of Famer? Now, I heard a lot of people say yes. I heard a lot of people say no. And a lot of people that said no was pointing at the fact that he doesn't have a championship. And he's played on so he's played so many years, and not one of those years was he the best quarterback in the league. Okay. When we talk about Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers kind of reminds me of Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has has had a very great career as far as scoring the ball. One of the one of the best scores we've ever seen in our lives. Uh, and you know he won what three gold medals and he's won uh he's won a couple scoring champion like he you know Melo was one of the greatest score scores of our generation yet the argument is always why is he the only like top player in the 2003 draft that didn't win a championship hell Darko Milicic won a NBA championship so why is that he's the only one and he had a couple of chances he could have went to the Bulls with Derrick Rose and Pau Gasol at the time and Luau Dang he he didn't want to go he could have been instead of it being Chris Bosh it could have been LeBron James, D. Wade, and Melo on the Heats, but no, he wanted to stay on the Heats, <laughs> on the Heat, but he wanted to stay in New York and get the money. So a lot of people are going to look at Carmelo Anthony's career and say, "Is he a Hall of Famer?" Because he didn't win a championship, and that's what I'm hearing from Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is an eight-time Pro Bowler. Not only is and there's not, and I understand a lot of people look at the Pro Bowl like it is what it is, but you're that's still voted by a lot of people and to be a pro bowler out of especially in the in the quarterback position is is incredible and then he was the 2013 comeback player of the year so and philip rivers i think he played for like 14 seasons for a player to play in 14 seasons and be an eight-time pro bowler means more than half of those seasons you were top you are a top player at your position one of a one of the top players of your position and for people like again, we have to stop narrowing our criteria at, in as did he win a championship or not? Because Philip Rivers, like I said, is one of the best play, one of the best quarterbacks, you know, the we've seen in his time. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a he's he's kind of like a gunslinger. Now I understand towards the end, he's the type of person. Philip Rivers is the type of play player that will throw a a god-awful interception and then the next five plays are pass plays deep like that's philip rivers has such a next play mentality which helps a lot of players and it, and it got him to 14 seasons you know we know and, and not to mention it's as a charger you know a lot of those teams that the Chargers and and, I, and this is kind of what i was talking how it was so incredible that tom brady did what he did a lot of those Chargers teams that that he was co- he was a quarterback for, their defense wasn't good, or he didn't have he yeah you had Antonio Gates, but you didn't really have wide receivers. You didn't really yeah you had Ladamian Tomlinson, but he's a running back, so that means it's taking the ball out of your hands. And he really wasn't a catching running back, so it was just or the coaching or special teams messed it up. There was always something. Now yes, some of them were was Philip Rivers' fault, but. That shouldn't take away from the fact that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Now, you know what? This kind of also reminds me of the the Eli Manning conversation, but in a different in a different direction. It's like we look at Eli Manning and say, "Yes, Eli Manning is definitely a Hall of Famer because he won two championships, and those two championships was against a undefeated." Uh, New Orleans, I mean, undefeated Patriots team with Tom Brady, Gronk, uh, Randy Moss, and then another Patriots team that I think only lost like two games that year, one game that year. But if you take those championships out, Eli Manning is nowhere close to a Hall of Famer. You know, that kind of reminds me, Eli Manning's credits 
if you put a blind test, right? If you do a blind a blind test with Eli Manning stats and Philip Rivers stats, and you just take out the two championships, do you say and and Philip Rivers was player A and Eli Manning was player B? You say player A is most definitely a better player, is most definitely a Hall of Famer, and it, it really isn't even close. But all you do is add two championships for player B, which would be Eli Manning. You say, well, hold on now. He has two championships. Phillip Rivers deserves to be a Hall of Famer. There's there, That's point blank. I understand, you know, he didn't win a championship. I understand he never went to a championship. But being a 14-year veteran eight-time Pro Bowler, a comeback player of the year, that, you know, we have to, we, you know, at some point, if that's the case, if if all you have to do pretty much is win a championship and get a couple stats, everybody in the NFL would be a Hall of Famer that won a championship. Everybody in the NBA, if all you have to do is win a championship, hell, if all you have to do is win a championship, Darko Milicic would be in a Hall of Fame. Luke Walton would be in the Hall of Fame. So let's 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 chill out with that. Philip Rivers isn't a Hall of Famer because he never won a championship. You know, and and another person that retired last week that I heard sh- may, should or shouldn't be a Hall of Famer is Greg Olson, and I think the complete opposite. <laughs> Greg Olson wasn't. A, I understand he's a beloved player. You know, like, I don't know anyone that that has a problem with Greg Olson. Like, Greg Olson is one of those players that you love on your team. He's a, he's an incredible player. You know, he I think he went to three pro bowlers, two time all, all pro or second team all pro. You know, he he's a great player, but I don't know if he's done enough to win a championship because or not win a championship done enough to be a Hall of Famer. Because when we look at tight ends, let's just look at the tight end position. And I can I can rattle off 10 or 12 tight ends before I go to Greg Olson. And that, and that doesn't and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Greg Olson is a bad player and I'm not this is not a detriment to Greg Olson. I'm just saying I don't know if Greg Olson's a Hall of Famer. That is a play, that is a bare bones uh <laughs> Oh, you know, accolades list. Yeah, he had a a long a, a long career, and the 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 stuff that he did in in Carolina was incredible with Cam Newton. Hell, that 2015 Panthers team, a lot of it was Cam Newton to Greg Olson. But I, you know, congratulations for Greg Olson having an incredible career. But I, I, I that's a, that's a player I don't know is a Hall of Famer. If you if you believe he is, you can leave in the comments. Let me know. We can talk about it. But I don't I don't really know if he is. So moving forward, we all know that the Lions are in a re- rebuild, and the Lions have even come out and said we're in a rebuild. Hell, and we're going to talk about their their new head coach hire in a second. But because of that, you know, Matthew Stafford has been with the Lions for God knows how long, and they've just been losing and losing and losing. And it's like, he, he, he's still good enough to win, to to to, to be uh, the best player on the team. So, you know, because the Lions are in a rebuild, and Matt, Matt Stafford has already said, I have no interest in being in a rebuild, especially this is towards, I mean, he's, what, 32, I believe. And this is this is the prime. This should be the prime years of my career. They're they're mutually parting ways. Now, there's a couple teams that would would Matthew Stafford would be great in. What are Matthew Stafford's strengths? Matthew Stafford is an is an incredibly accurate quarterback, and he still has a cannon of an arm. Now, the Patriots could use him. The Steelers could use him. The Colts could use him. Like the, Matthew, hell, the the Washington football team could use him. Matthew Stafford is going to be. There's a lot of quarterbacks that's on the market, uh, especially right now. That that. A lot of teams would be calling. Like I said, don't. I understand he had a bad season last year, but don't ex, don't think that Cam Newton's not going to get no calls. Don't think Jameis Winston's not going to get any calls. Of course, we know about the Deshaun Watson situation, and now Matthew Stafford. So, 
you know, it's it, it's sh- shouts out for Matthew Stafford and the Lions organization for mutually parting ways and and he wanting to win at this point like you've already done enough losing you've already done enough you already made enough money you're still gonna make money but at this point now you want to win like and you know i'm i'm excited this this is going to be an incredible offseason because there's a lot of storylines to follow and there's a lot of moving parts that can affect the entire league so i'm excited and and i'm you know i'm i'm curious to see where he'll go and so because Matthew Stafford is still, he has the talent to be a top 10 quarterback. It's just he needs to be put in the right situation to win. Not to mention, when do you really, the only time you see Lions games is on Thanksgiving, and they always lose. So, you know, I'm excited to see what, what comes of this. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we just talked about Matthew Stafford. And I said we were going to talk about the coaching hire in a second. And now we're here. Um, Eric Bieniemy. Here's first of all, let's let's address the Titans. I mean the Texans. So the Texans interview Eric Bieniemy and uh, the offensive coordinator for the from the um, Colts, I believe. Don't think they're doing that just because they're black. Now, they are doing it because they're black, but the only reason why they're doing it because they're black is because Deshaun Watson has voiced his frustration with the organization. And I guess they think if you bring in a black coach, that's going to keep Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson never said anything about being 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 unhappy with the organization, wanting out... I'm almost sure that Eric Bieniemy and other coaches like like Pep Hamilton, Todd Bowles, will not be even in the conversation to be a head coaching. And I, and you know why I know this because there was what eight I believe coaching vacancies, and out of the eight coaching vacancies, only one was filled with a person of a different different ethnicity than white. And that was Robert Sala to the Jets. The Texans didn't, the only, they didn't even, there's a window where you can get on a Zoom call. And, I, and, and interviews now are easier than ever, seeing as though with the, with the virus, all you got to do is get on Zoom and have a whatever long Zoom call. But there is a period where the coaches aren't doing anything. And that's when you pretty much do your serious interviews. Yeah, At this point, it's kind of hard to focus on an interview like that when if you're Eric Bieniemy and you're and you're getting ready for the Super Bowl. You're getting ready for the AFC Championship. But the Texans wait to the last. In fact, it was past the last minute to to request an interview from Eric Bieniemy. And you say they said that Eric Bieniemy interviews wrong. I don't know how the hell you interview wrong when all you're doing is saying why you would be a, a good head coach. You tell them the schemes that you'd run. You tell them how you'll connect with the best players. I don't know how that is a bad interview. I don't know how you messed that up. And I'm not saying that Eric Bieniemy messed it up. I'm saying, how do you deem that as a mess up? There was a rule called the Rooney Rule that pretty much forced GMs to interview African-Americans for a position of vacancy. If not, you are in violation of said rule. But the problem with that is there's really no consequence for that. And honestly, if you're a four, if you're a billion dollar owner, why do I have incentives to hire somebody that I don't want to hire? That's that I'm a billionaire. Like I'm not about to waste money. And this, the Rooney Rule is a joke. And I've said this on uh, on multiple podcasts back in the day. You can go look it up. But the Rooney rule is a joke because 
it really there's really no stipulation to to abide by it. There's really no punishment because all you have to say is I felt he was the best coaching hire or I felt he was the best for the position. That's all you have to say to be like, yeah, well, okay. Well, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. So coaches like Pep Hamilton or coaches like Eric Bieniemy will always be outside looking in. Eric Bieniemy is bet, and then I go back to the Lions coach. We I don't know if you saw that welcoming press conference. He was talking about if they kick us down, we're gonna bite him in the knee and then bite him in the other knee. Imagine if a black person said that. Shannon Sharp said this, so I'm pretty much reiterating what he said. But he said exactly how I felt. Imagine if a black person came in and said something like that. Imagine if you know they they know how to how to they know how to spice up some words for African Americans that don't get the job. They they interviewed wrong, or they just they needed more coaching experience. Yet you have quarterback, you have coaches that were that never called a play that were quarterback coaches, or tight end coaches that's getting head coaching positions before. A person like Eric Bieniemy or Pep Hamilton, who has clearly called plays and has clearly been a positive influence on their team. Hell, Eric Bieniemy has unlocked the uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes. Yet and still, the only team that seriously considering him is no one. And that and don't don't think for one second that the Texans are the only reason why they're considering him is because they hope that if they hire him or if they hire someone of color, that keeps Deshaun Watson. Because they know if they lose Deshaun Watson, it don't matter what you get. You're not getting Deshaun Watson, who is a top five quarterback in this league. It's unfortunate, bro. It's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that you put a rule that you don't really need to abide by. And it's actually sad, the fact that you need to put in a rule to say that you have to hire someone of color or not hire. You have to interview someone of color. Which you don't, you really don't have to, because you can interview two people and say, "Oh, we're we're gonna get to that, we're gonna get to the person of color." But but we found the best player, the best person right here. It's yeah, man. Let me move on before I get upset, bro. Yeah, <laughs> let's move on from. Let's move on. Uh, Dustin, uh, let me let me say this. Dustin Pereira TKO'd Conor McGregor in the second round on Saturday. It was the memes that came from that knockout have been glorious. <laughs> but here's the thing, man. And this is the same thing I said to I said thing about same this is the same thing I said about Nate Robinson when he fought with Jake Paul. You don't play box. Now, I'm not saying that Crown and McGregor was play fighting. Hell, he he's been a champion, you know, this and a third, but he's been out of the ring for what two, three years now? And or a whole year, I believe. And it's like when you're fighting somebody, you want as much reps as possible, especially because you've been out the ring for so long. And while you're not practicing and training, someone is. So because of that, you wanna you need to get as many reps as possible. The fact that he he took a year off, it showed he was rusty. Conor McGregor was rusty, and Dustin Perea was not <laughs> knocked his knocked his knocked his lights out. So and you know and broke his leg. It it was it was. <laughs> I think, you know, and don't get me wrong, Dustin Pierre definitely uh, definitely deserved to win. He's been incredible. He deserves a title fight. And Conor McGregor definitely needs more reps, seeing as though he was out for so long. But, you know, shouts out to Dustin for winning. And, Con- and even Conor said himself, I was rusty, and I need to get back in the gym, get back and work, work get back to that top shape that I was in. So, 
Hey, but he he knocked that man out, man. <laughs> Let's move over to a little bit of NBA. So we I talked about this when it happened, but of course we know James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets and he paired with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, I understand that they've won a couple games, but they've also lost a couple games together with all three of them. And I said this in the video before, and I'll say it now. The pro- the thing that the problem that I see Brooklyn running into is you have two players in Kyrie Irving and James Harden that do the same thing. And it goes back to what I said, the, the biggest, the most important word in this entire trade. And I said this in the video. The most important word is sacrifice. And when you still have Kyrie and James or Kyrie taking the most shots with James Harden on the floor or on the team, that's that to me is not the right sacrifice. And do I think that they could work? They could work. It's just sacrifice has to be made. And I don't and I think the sacrifice has to come from Kyrie Irving. Now, if this doesn't happen, what do you do? Or what would I do? If I was a GM, what would I do? I would trade Kyrie. And this is why. We know that you're one of the best offensive you you have three three of the top offensive players in the league. We and when you have James Harden going for forty points, you or triple doubles, you have KD going for forty, you Kyrie going for we know that. But this team is god awful when it comes to defense and rebounding. I don't know why they thought yes, DeAndre Jordan was a good defender in his Haiti heyday, but this ain't his heyday. He's not a good defender. And I would trade Kyrie for a solid, uh, a couple good defenders or and, and, and a rim protector. Now, I, I heard that they're in talks to get JaVale McGee, who I don't know, I guess, and Kevin Love, which I don't understand. But you need defenders because this team cannot defend a light pole. And... Even if you trade off Kyrie, you still have James Harden and Kevin Durant, who, as we've seen with Kyrie being gone, looked incredible together. Now, yes, they'll still win some games. They'll, you know, they'll they'll still look incredible, and I think they still have the talent to make it to the NBA Finals. But if they want to win the NBA Finals, I don't know if they have the if they have the pieces because I don't see them stopping an Anthony Davis. Because hell, we saw (laughs) it looks a little it looks a little different when you're going against a Joel Embiid who will drop forty two and twenty on somebody, or Nikola Jokic, or an Anthony Davis. Like I don't see them stopping those type of players. And of course, I don't know if you'll get the. It's hard to stop, but you can only slow them down, especially because I don't see anybody in the West outside the Lakers making it to the champion, making it to the NBA Finals. So I don't see how you stop uh, Anthony Davis, and honestly, you don't really have anybody to stop Montrezl Harold. So I would trade Kyrie to get a couple of solid defenders, especially rim rim protectors and def- and 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 rebounders because it's not working it's not working now again i understand that they're exciting and this is no detriment on Kyrie. Kyrie isn't the reason why i would trade Kyrie, especially now is he's still a great player you'll still get incredible investment it's just do you want to keep him on the team and just be an incredible explosive team and hope to beat people 145 to 140 or do you want to trade one of your best players and still be good enough? Trade one of your best players for some incredible defensive pieces and incredible rim protectors, pieces you need, and still be an incredible team with two incredible offensive offensive players. So that's just something I think about, you know. Uh, the Wizards, 
I don't, I don't, I know I'm a Wizards fan, but I, it's surprising to me that how bad the Wizards been playing. They, they, they got a, they got a topic on this ep, on this episode. But the Wizards uh, got hit. I think they got like six straight games postponed, and I know they played on Friday or Saturday, I believe, it was against the Bucks, and they lost. But you know, we're starting to see, and and we see. Team, you know, the NBA is starting to crack down on the on the pandemic. I mean, on COVID, and your games are getting postponed left and right. Now, uh, COVID just hit the Wizards hard, man. I think they had like eight. They didn't have enough to suit up. That's why they missed six games. And of course, they had the COVID protocol. But it, you know, NBA players missing games is not like NFL players missing games because you know the rosters are shorter and. If you lose a key, like if you lose, for instance, we remember how what happens when the Ravens got COVID and they played against the the Steelers. Like I said, I mean, you, you're still going to go on because you still have 53 men roster. And of course, you can get players from practice squad, this, that, and the third. That's not the case for NBA. NBA, usually you carry 11 to 12 people. And if six or seven of them have COVID, you don't have enough to fill a roster. And that's what you saw what happened with Washington. Now Washington has a a plethora of problems, but COVID has definitely hit them hard this year. And you know, it's we're just starting to see how the NBA is dealing with COVID. You know, what I mean, they're postponing games left and right. I don't know when they're going to reschedule these games, if they're going to reschedule these games. A report came out yesterday saying they're thinking about having an All Star game, but it's going to be like I think maybe. Uh, 200 fans or something like that or no fans at all but they do want to have like an all-star weekend type situation i the nba is pretty much figuring it out you know what i mean and i respect them for that they, they do what they got to do so but yeah moving forward so last week the world lost two pretty great people they lost larry king who was a very famous talk show host uh, you know, he was big in the WWE. He was he was just big all over the world, you know. And if and he was from what I know in his younger years, he was a staunch uh contributor to African American uh you know, he 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 helped a lot of African Americans, especially when it came came to segregation and stuff like that. So um in the civil rights movement, for what I again I wasn't alive at that time, but a lot of you know, a lot of people say that Larry King was big on helping African Amer- the African American struggle. So shout out to him. Also, we lost a pioneer in sports history, and that was Hank Aaron. You know, a lot of people talk about Jackie Robinson. A lot of people talk about uh, Bill Russell. And we talk about blacks having a huge impact on the sports landscape. Not too many people talk about Hank Aaron, but they 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 should. And unfortunately, he passed away. He passed away as a 25-time All-Star, a World Series champion, an NL MVP, a four-time uh, RBI leader. Oh, NL RBI leader, a four-time NL home run leader, a three-time Gold Glove winner, a two-time NL batting champion. He is a major league all. He's on the major league All-Century team. He's a Hall of Famer, of course. Yeah, he ended his career with 755 home runs, which is second all-time, 2,297 RBIs, which is first all-time, and 2,140, I'm sorry, 2,174 stolen bases, which is tied for fourth all-time. Rest in peace, Hank Aaron, one of the greatest baseball players that we have ever seen in our lifetime and will ever see. And rest in peace, Larry Larry King, a very prominent talk show host, radio personality. Everyone knows who Larry King is. And before we go, today marks the one-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe Bryant, uh, Gianna Bryant, and the multiple families that we lost on the plane crash. I, this is, again, we, we talk about this all the time, uh, but that, that, this, that passing, Kobe's passing was one of those 
situations where you know I know exactly where I was. I know exactly who told me. I know exactly how I heard it. I know exactly the feeling that I had after and the feeling that I had for multiple days after. Kobe was just, you know, he he was a monumental person. And it's unfortunate that you know we're 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 experiencing an anniversary like this uh but it is what it is and you know Kobe will always go down as one of the greatest basketball players to ever live one of the most fiercest competitors to ever live one of the most decorated players to ever live and ultimately and more importantly he will go down as one of the best fathers to ever live and you know I, a lot of people want to model their basketball game around Kobe or want to model, you know, the fadeaway jump shot or model the the face grunt after a, a game winner or model the slogan, you know, Mamba mentality or, you, you know, want to want to have the wristbands on the arm or, you know, want to want to rock a baldy or want to wear number eight or wear number 24 but I hope that people model the fact that he was an incredible father and incredible person and the world lost an icon. So as unfortunate as it is, this is the anniversary of Kobe's death. And I'm going to remember Kobe for being a great player, but ultimately a great example of how to be a father especially a father to all girls. But there you have it. That has been this week's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate the support. Please subscribe. It would mean a lot to me. And I hope you have a blessed week. And until next time, much love. This is a come Hustle from night to sun up, the gutter when niggas run up and they get done up. And mama trying to make a dollar for son and daughter. Where them times are even harder without a father on a job, would never bother. All about them commas, bigger diamonds, and high designer. With all the finest women, goddess with perfect bodies that we admire. This to come up with niggas do whatever for money. They'll murk a nigga now and go to church on a Sunday. Probably snitch your homeboys and take a flight out the country. It's fucked up. The motive is to get out the hood. Get your mama new crib, keep your family good When that money is pouring, and them jewels are shining And them cars are foreign, them haters praying the storm is no love It ain't a place for the weak, only strong survive Only hustlers ride, it's just to come up Fueled by the passion and pain and all the bullshit that I've been through Still I hold my head up high and all the roadblocks I walk right through Seen, Cause they don't believe in it seems You can't achieve by any means Go and get it Anything you vision Anything you wishing You can live it Just bear the witness They said I wouldn't And I did it What God intended From being labeled as a menace To counting millions My daughter smiling every minute I'm in attendance Oh Lord I got my deal in the field Cried hundreds of tears Feeling like that dope boy Who hit a lick for a meal Riding round with the work Know them weapons concealed If yeah. the feds ever catching me Do 200 years for that Dope. And I know money come, money and go And the fame ain't the game All the hate that it brings Many lost, some gain Never changed, not me Gotta survive every day Know every morning I wait So I'm trying to come up Fueled by the passion and pain And all the bullshit that I've been through Still I hold my head up high And all the roadblocks I walk right
come up So don't you dare give up No, 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 no Whoa, whoa. Keep your head above the clouds And your eyes on the prize Don't you dare give up This is for the crowd Don't you worry now, right no, now, yeah. My brothers and my sisters, mama too, this is a come up.